five-year mission, the podcast, episode 29. We're happy to have fansets.com as our presenting sponsor on five-year mission, the podcast. Exclusively right now, head over to trekgeeks.com slash vote and select the next pin in the Women of Trek Series 2. Also, if you go and vote on that pin, you are automatically entered to win an entire set of the Women of Trek pin series. So head on over to trekgeeks.com slash vote. Winner will be selected on April 1st. And please stay tuned till the end of this episode for a special offer on five-year mission, the podcast. By now you figured out that this is the five-year mission podcast. Welcome to another episode of Five-Year Mission, the podcast. This is part two. Have we had a part two yet? Or have they all been part ones or single parts? They've all, they've all been sing, single parters. I think so. This is the first second double parter and this this is just the because first, we have second uh, double parter yeah, so far, so far it's been parter. episodic yeah <laughs> we're we're this is our we're going into our second season so it's more of an arc this time Serialized, yes yeah so this is this episode mike and i are joined not by noah andy and patrick are joining us and we're going to continue the stories about how the bands we used to be in and how the band, uh, how we met each other and that kind of thing. So, again, we've we've done this in kind of mini form before, but now we're getting into the good stuff. Right. Darn tootin. Absolutely. I am darn tootin. You should be tootin, too. Gross. <laughs> anyway, let's get this show on the road. So last time, Mike and Noah and I, we talked about the bands we've been in and kind of went through our history really and how Noah and Mike and I, uh, we formed, um, the independent band collective, which became Midwest emerging artists. And that's how we, that's how we met each other to, and, and started talking and eventually became five year mission. So let's, let's start with you, Andy. Let's, um, let's, or you know what? Let's not start with you because let's okay, keep let's this not. chronological. You're last. <laughs> <laughs> okay we're gonna start with patrick okay so patrick why don't, why don't you tell us tell us your story i i know i mean i feel like you have as many bands right now as i have had in my entire life <laughs> so so keep it brief but no just kidding just give us everything give us everything you want to give us and more how far back do you want me to go you you can start you choose at the man you just you just start from when you were so you you were born we, and then uh, what yeah. <laughs> I was very sick as a child and around four I had my tonsils taken out and uh, I started singing after the surgery and I was in, an, in the room with another kid and the other kid had his like blankets up over his face and he looked absolutely miserable and I was singing and the doctor came in and he said he's going to heal up real fast <laughs> so that was kind of my first musical experience I was singing cartoon music which is fitting. Um, <laughs> which is fitting, yeah. I mean, and I used to get in trouble in school for like humming cartoon music during class, you know. And I was never like into like rock music at the time because my my parents hated it, <laughs> so I was just like sheltered from it. It was footloose in there. Yeah, right. I auditioned for choir in fifth grade, which was weird because I never audition for anything and I was a really quiet kid but for some reason in fifth grade I decided to audition for choir and then I was in choir from fifth until graduation and then I picked up guitar around well I don't want to date myself too much I picked up picked up guitar around age 13 <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
uh, and was terrible for a while and then started writing songs a couple years later and uh, then started doing band stuff. Um, you know, and it was mostly just garage band type things at first. And it never lasted more than a couple of practices because nobody, you know, was serious about it, except for me. <laughs> so, Clearly. <laughs> yeah. So I found this, um, you know, I looked at message boards and stuff like that. And a friend of mine, actually, that I was playing in one of those bands that didn't go anywhere with, um, told me about a message. Like, I always saw things for, you know, like blues guitar player you know like stuff you would never really want to do seriously and my bassist friend told me about this ad for somebody that liked the pixies and um frank black and some of those types of things that were looking for a guitar player and um i met this guy mark Searles, who sort of took me under his wing and taught me how a band sort of worked in a business in a business way you know but also just interpersonally as far as like you know, you can be friends with the guys, but also, you know, get stuff done, <laughs> you know, schedule your practices so that, you know, on a certain night, you know, this is how you talk to clubs when you try to get a booking, you know, that kind of thing. So um, that band was called Larry and Rita's Boy. This guy, Mark Searles, had been in a band in the late 80s that I guess did pretty well around town called the Burning Limos. <laughs> so he was like a sort of an ex-punk guy going into his sort of family years you know his his wife was having their first child and he was just wanting to do some quote-unquote key gigs <laughs> so uh that's how that started and it's funny that we're like sort of in the position now that he was in then you know at the time i was like just sort of out of high school and um so there's larry and rita's boy and then there was a band called mind rift <laughs> Oof. <laughs> that was myself and my old buddy Ken and the aforementioned bass player I mentioned and this drummer that really wanted to be in Metallica. Um, but he was, he was really great. He was really great. But like we didn't have any of the same influences, you know, and so it was real bizarre. Um, so I was writing sort of pop, you know, alternative pop songs. And they came out as like metal songs because that's what <laughs> everybody else was playing. <laughs> So Mind Rift lasted for a little while, and then that sort of evolved into In Stitches, which went the more sort of light, lighter, alt-pop kind of route. And that was when I was really super into They Might Be Giants. And I've, I've sort of left that behind, of course, <laughs> after a couple of years. Yeah, I was going to say that. That's, <laughs> kind of went away. You never hear that. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so there was In Stitches, and that's when I started playing around the local All Ages scene. Um, we played at uh, the Emerson and Smedley's Dream, and oh, the sitcom was actually the first all ages place I played at. Now, now was that was that the upstairs or the downstairs sitcom? That was the downstairs. Yeah, I, I went to shows at the upstairs version, and then by the time I had booked something, it was the other one. <laughs> yeah, so I saw. Funnily enough, I, at the at the upstairs version of the sitcom that held twenty people, that's where I saw uh, Rancid on their on their very first tour. No kidding. With with like with like twelve people in the room. <laughs> oh wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so I saw some you know hardcore shows and random stuff like that, and you know, a lot of my friends were just going there, so it was just a thing to do, you know. In the late '80s and early '90s, listening to music, I mean, I didn't really know about punk rock, so there was really just the crap that was on the radio, you know. So I was listening to metal because you know pop metal because that's all there was with you know heavy guitars in it on the radio. <laughs> Um, and so fortunately, I got to go to places like that and broaden my horizons a lot. <laughs> hey, Patrick, rewind a second. You talked, you were talking about how you started writing music and it was that kind of pop rock kind of stuff. But 
you said that your parents didn't listen. Did you just, was it just like radio that got you into it? Or how, did you, you know, go to the record store and get records? I mean, how, how did you get influenced by that? Originally, I was just listening to the crap on the radio, but I had this notion that I wanted to play an instrument. You know, I'd been singing in choir for a few years and I just kind of wanted to do something else with music. Um, and so my mom took me to a music store and I ended up with an electric guitar. So I just started playing electric guitar. And so at that point, I had to sort of branch out and find some guitar music, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of what happened. Yeah, that makes sense. So yeah, I got kind of more into the all ages scene which was funny because by that point I was 21. <laughs> so, yeah. And so, and, and then, you know, that's kind of snowballed and eventually my ex-wife and I opened our own all ages club and that was in 99. Now, which, 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 which club was that? Which was that was the, the music box cafe. That was yeah. music box. Okay. All right. Yeah. Cause I guess we, we talked about that before we started going, how uh, we put uh, my old band played the, the, the opening gala. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we had, I think we had a full weekend, like a two, two day opening thing with like 10 bands each day or something. It was, and yeah, so I must've seen you there, but we didn't know each other. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, there was um, the Music Box Cafe. And then um, none of these things lasted very long because, um, you know, this Broad Ripple in particular, like the city did not want teenage hang, hang spaces. Like they did everything they could to sort of, keep the sitcom, you know, from doing stuff. And, right. and we were like, right. you know, much closer to, to broad ripples proper. So mm -hmm. yeah, that didn't last long. And then we moved down to Southeastern at the volcano room. Um, and that one actually lasted the longest. That one went on for a couple of years. And I actually, you know, the first place um, my ex-wife used some inheritance to get the place up, up to code. And like, we were actually making food for people, you know, like there was actually something to do when you went there, it was a cafe, not mm. just a music place. But then it, you know, kind of fizzled out. And with the city down on us all the time, we couldn't keep it open. Yeah. When we started the Volcano Room, though, we literally had like $200. And all the friends that we made from the first place that came in and helped us make, you know, get the place going. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, and that place was, it was a garage. It was basically next oh, to a strip mall. And it was like the little standalone building that they used for storage. And we rented it out. <laughs> yeah, I saw it. I got to see two, two, two of my favorite shows I saw locally were there. I got to see uh, Adam and his package there. Yeah. And uh, I saw and I, and I saw the, the Locust there, which was insane. Oh, yeah. That was a crazy show. I remember they, <laughs> we were having a hell of a time running sound at that show. because I'm sure. In the back of the room. And <laughs> it was ball to wall people. It was crazy. But yeah, that the acoustics, I mean, it was a garage basically. So the acoustics were horrible, but we just put up soundproofing and we painted the walls and we somehow made it work. And it sounded pretty good actually when we were done. Oh yeah, definitely. And we, we built the stage ourselves with some friends and those were good times. Um, and we were, we were doing okay there for a while, but eventually the place got broken into and the uh, sound system got stolen. Jesus. So, um, and at that point we were pretty much done running all ages clubs, <laughs> uh, but then a couple years later, uh, a couple years later, we happened into Bubba's bowling club, which was being run by, uh, Kathy Morris, who was about to get thrown out because she wasn't making any money. Uh, we ended up sort of taking that over from her because we didn't want it to close down. Yeah. That place was huge. It, it was 10,000 square feet at least. Yeah. Yeah huge and, and it was nice because we had a liquor license and we had mm -hmm. all ages shows so that was the cool part about it. it was in a 
you know, not a great area. I mean, it's much better now than it was way then. better now. Yeah. 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 Now it's like, now it's one of those like shared office spaces. So as far as bands go, so um, I formed destination earth in 99 the first, I mean, I'd always, always written songs about things that I liked and fandom stuff, but in the nineties, it was uncool to do kind of. So it would be sort of vague as Mike likes to say. <laughs> um, but then in destination, we just say, you know what, screw it. We're just going to write about aliens in space. And, you know, I used anime samples in the songs and, you know, we wore space suits on stage and we just, just went all out with it and just had had a good time and said, we don't care what people think. We're just going to do it. <laughs> um, and so that was the first sort of quote unquote fandom sort of thing that I did. So that was in 90. That, that went from like 99 to like 2003. We released several albums and um, Chad was in that, right? Yeah. yeah from, from, yeah, from the Evan four. four. Yeah. Drummer. Yeah. Yeah. And he actually, we would have probably gone on longer, um, but he uh, was in devil to pay who got really um, popular yeah, with the touring up. schedule in the early 2000s. So yeah, yeah. Um, so we ended up not having much time. And then I ended up being asked to join the Madeira. <laughs> <laughs> so I went from heavy space surf to sort of trad surf, but still high energy stuff, more melodic. And then right after that, the shakeups formed. So, and there, there were some other bands mixed in there. Um, I didn't mention Hipster Zero, which was um, the duo that I formed with Steve from the Shakeups. So that was sort of a geek rock band. And then Destination Earth was like the space surf. And then I ended up kind of combining the things later. <laughs> <laughs> so then the Shakeups kind of picked up from there and we're doing kind of an indie pop thing while the, during the time Bubba's Bowling Club was happening. Yeah. That was like that. That was one of the one of the early incarnations of the shakeups, and obviously it's taken many forms since then. Yeah, yeah, that was the first one. Ed Cho and I started that band, who you guys know from the Collective, and um, so the shakeups played around town for a couple of years, and then I ended up relocating to California, and I think it was during that time that the band Collective thing kind of came together. So yeah, I was. It came together right after you moved. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I was. Yeah. So I was gone for about three years. And I en ended up moving back. And then um, that's when Five Year Mission started. So. Yep. Uh, Bubba's Bowling is where I met you. Uh, that's right. Yeah, with Little Voice. Yeah, Little Voice played with the shakeups. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we met there and uh, we started hanging out and becoming friends and we played a lot of shows together. I just, I always mention this, but I always thought it was funny that Mike would call me up from work on like a Sunday morning, you know, at like, nine ten o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> and but then he wouldn't say anything he would just he would just be like hey and then he'd sort of let me carry the conversation from there <laughs> you know? that's vintage He's, mike he still does that i he does I really classic <laughs> that's classic rittenhouse is what that yeah, is yeah i classic. suppose so yeah <laughs> patrick did you did you and kathy just come to do the open mic at o'rourke's i can't remember or did yeah you... we were there a few times I, know, I remember you guys coming in. I just don't, I couldn't remember if you actually came in to play your own shows or not. Uh, no, we never got to play an actual show show. We just played the open stages. Yeah. But yeah, I met you there. Yeah. So the only person I hadn't met, you know, before five year mission was Noah. I think, I think you guys met him through the collective, right? Yeah, we did. Yep. I guess I knew Andy and I didn't know that I knew Andy. Yeah. It was kind of like all the, we would, all our paths would always cross somehow. Right. But it was never really like, you know, hey, buddy, the 
But then it was like, hey, I know you. It was one of those, those type play, of things. Were you playing one of those Sloppy Seconds shows as an opener? I can't remember. Yes. Okay. One, of the, uh, one of the Sloppy Seconds. I want to say it was either Christmas or New Year's Eve show at the Emerson. Okay, yeah. One of the two. I can't, can't remember. One of the big Sloppy Seconds shows that they would always do there. We've mentioned this before. So Destination Earth's second show <laughs> ever was opening for Sloppy Seconds. And it was just because our bass player was friends with them. Right. Um, but, you know, it was, it was sold out. 500 people and we walked on stage in our silver spacesuits and people just started booing <laughs> before we played it. <laughs> yeah. The crowds that go to see Sloppy Seconds are notorious for like giving the openers so much crap. Like uh, oh, yeah. one, of the, one of the bands that I'll cover that I was in, uh, uh, we opened for Sloppy Seconds and some dude in the crowd came up and offered us $5 to, to get off stage. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have footage of uh, a trash can from the side of the stage being thrown at our bass player during oh, the man. show. <laughs> there's, there's, some video, there's some VHS footage that, of that. That, that, uh, right. that, was, that was Greg, right? That was Greg, yeah. yeah. And uh, lit cigarette butts, you know, flying up on the stage. Oh, yeah, wearing, constantly. We were wearing highly, highly flammable uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, you know, looking back on it, it was the best thing that could have happened to us. It was very polarizing because, like, yeah, a lot of the people there didn't like us. But we won some of the people over, and some of them yeah. liked us because we were different. So, and, and being that it was our second show ever, that was like the best possible way to get the word out. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that was fun. <laughs> Andy, something that we mentioned last time is that uh, Mike and I, especially, but I think Noah too, we knew you before we knew you just because of I Am In, because you were all over that. Oh yeah, I was I was actually the top poster on IndianapolisMusic.net for like oh, really? two years. Yeah, wow. I'm not surprised. I forgot about. Yeah. Well, it, because I am in. I would where I worked at the time. I was managing a record store, and our our registers doubled as uh, like just desktop computers. And so I'd have I am in pulled up <laughs> all day. <laughs> and well, so I, I would just I would just print like respond to stuff like ha. <laughs> you're stupid it just wait that was you no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was always me so so not not much has changed exactly <laughs> no i think well, I'm, I'm a little, little more a little more long long-winded in my insults these yeah, days i was gonna especially, say especially when it comes to news sites <laughs> well i remember when we first brought you in and somebody said it, it was you know, they said your name, and I'm like, Why you mean like the Farkness? Oh, yeah. <laughs> the Farkness from Ivan? <laughs> yeah, your reputation preceded you, at least uh, in so far as we knew you from Ivan. So yeah. what about you, Andy? Let's let's go through your boarded oh, history. Whew. I saw your list already. I'm gonna oh, yeah. It's a uh, feed up for this one. There's a, there's a, there's a few in here. Uh, you know what? Honestly, I, the, the reason I wanted to start playing drums was because my brother would watch the, uh, the home video Motley Crue uncensored all the time. And I'd see Tommy Lee playing and twirling sticks and be like, I want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, my best friend and I in sixth grade, he was like this weird guitar prodigy and his parents were loaded. So they, they were able to buy him this like gold top Les Paul and a Marshall half stack at the age of 12. And he was actually really, really good. But my mom was broke, single mom, and uh, couldn't afford to get me drums. So I started playing in my first band on boxes and a Fisher-Price snare drum. <laughs> and we would just do like Metallica and Black Sabbath covers and stuff like that. And like uh, we were called Dark Blizzard. Nice. Yeah, Dark. we actually had like 
we actually had like the bed sheet spray painted backdrop and everything in his sunroom where we practiced. I had one of those for the oh, band really? that I didn't mention, Happy and Plaid. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't seem, seem like it goes goes along with bed sheets and spray paint, though. That name doesn't match. You had some good band name. What was that first band name, Patrick? Uh, Larry, and Rita, Larry and Rita's boy was one of them. Uh, <laughs> I like that one. So, so who's whose first band name uh, is is the is the worst, Chris? Remember, mine was River of Pain. Oh, yours, <laughs> hands down. I don't, I don't know River mine of Pain. And, Lad, I'm pretty sure. I don't know River of Pain and Dark Blizzard are up there, man. I know River of Pain is worse. Dark Blizzard is not good, <laughs> but uh, River but, of Pain. Okay, my 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 excuse for Dark Blizzard is that I was 12. How how old were you, Mike? For River 34. of Pain. For River uh, of Pain. <laughs> 34. Eight. <laughs> there you go. Okay. What was Noah's? I don't remember. It, it was the the band that he was in with his uncle. Oh, yeah. It, it, I, I, was it, was it Turnip Blood? Turnip Blood. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Much, much better than River of Pain. <laughs> yeah, that's like artistic. It's exactly I, what you would. <laughs> I know. I didn't name the band. Sure. But you agreed to it, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, I didn't name Happy and Plaid. Yeah. Dark Blizzard. Dark Blizzard. And then uh, once I got to high school, freshman year of high school, um, I started meeting like all like the alternative kids. Uh, and this was like 92. And uh, I got, I, I, for, for Christmas the year before, I'd gotten my very first dr actual drum set. So I was ready to go. Uh, and then that's when uh, we formed the band get this acid <laughs> but acid stood for all confusion is divine dumbest <laughs> thing ever there now 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 i officially win stupidest you, band name you should have stuck with dark stupid. blizzard <laughs> <laughs> but that was the first band where we actually had like original songs because we started off like when we first got together it was like let's play some songs that we know and we were all awful so we'd play, play stuff by like the misfits and sex pistols and stuff like that and then we would attempt to play songs by the by the uh descendants but wow that was way too complicated for our 14 year old brains <laughs> how do these guys play this fast and this technical <laughs> but that was the i was also the band that i got to play my first all asia show and it was at this uh at another old bowling alley this was back when i lived in illinois like just outside of st louis and uh last note of the last song i got out from behind the drums and I stage stage dived into the audience and it was badass. <laughs> <laughs> was it as badass as when Mike stage dove? <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't break anything. Oh. So to be fair, I didn't cool. choose to stage to dive. <laughs> That's even more badass if you ask me. You, you stage dove backwards. Yeah. You, you took equipment with you. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Hey, how oh. many... How many uh, kick drums have been destroyed because some genius guitar player or singer thought it would be a good idea Stand to jump off of the drums? So far, I've I, I've only had one break. Yeah, that's that's enough. Surprisingly enough. Then I moved to Sweden for a while and it's kind of messed around in bands over there and never had anything serious. Just kind of jammed with some Swedish dudes every now and then, but it was all like death metal type stuff. Oh, uh, you missed the perfect opportunity at a band name there. You could have been Swedish jam. <laughs> I can't even say what's your face. Jeez. 
the the the, the guy that I was I was one of the guys that I uh, took lessons from briefly over there just to kind of get my technical chops up. He was in a band called Cherry Rose, mm-hmm. and they did like all like. 80s hairband covers and they would play like the town square where i lived and it was hilarious at least the name was fitting oh yeah exactly but i I didn't do really do anything over there played some played in a couple death metal bands and one kind of very bad religion influenced band but never went anywhere because there were no clubs to play in our town so then i moved back and then that's when we moved to indiana and uh formed the band blinky's evil twin (laughs) <laughs> which was named after a one panel comic strip from from mad magazine where there's two uh two clown hand puppets and one of them one of them's holding a gun that said that says and then the, the, the other one's saying better give him the money bob and it said caption was like suddenly blinky's evil twin shows up <laughs> i still i still have it somewhere in a folder wait was it like a riff off of blinky from pac-man no it was just a, it was just like a like a random clown puppet's name oh okay yeah, Blinky's Evil Twin was heavily influenced by it was a weird mix of like weird circus punk type stuff, but then like some of the funnier bands like All and Mr. Bungle. That was one of the bands that opened up for Sloppy Seconds, and uh, mainly because I, I would always bother their drummer at Karma Records, be like, "Come on, band, open for you guys. We're, we're we we have all the instruments and everything." <laughs> and then fi- then finally he let us, and then that's when some dude tried to pay us to get off stage. and i was and i I, I took the guys five dollars and i was like sucks to be you because we still have three songs left and we're going to play them all and make you hate everything (laughs) (laughs) but then we wound up um switching singers and bass players and then formed into the band that was uh we were together for like eight years called biscuit head but more like a descendants influence to it so it's a little more pop punk than anything else and then I joined a band from Fort Wayne called The Shortcuts, which recorded up in Chicago with the, uh, the Johans Face Records. Mark Ruffalo was the producer. And that's where I met um, Matt Skiba from Alkaline Trio. And he was uh, standing behind the glass in the studio, just imitating me behind the drums. <laughs> and <he'd, laughs> he'd, he actually just described my, my drum style as hoop chap, which was just because kind of, the music we were playing was just like hoop chap, hoop chap, hoop constantly. <laughs> we embraced the aesthetic of like the night late late seventies punk rock. And we would encourage our audiences to spit on us. Uh, our guitarist actually wound up catching mono at one of our shows <laughs> because somebody spit towards the stage and it landed directly in his mouth. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we had, we had a lot of fun with that. Cause actually I, I got my singer really good. One time I would, I'd have been drinking Dr. Pepper before the show spit a really big loogie towards him and it landed on top of his head and he didn't realize it. And then he's like leaned down to do something like kind of bang his head a little bit or something. And then I started seeing it start dripping from the top of his head and it just would not break. And it was the grossest <laughs> thing I'd ever seen. That's <sighs> the kind of quality content we want on five year mission. The podcast. That's right. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's all agree not to spit on each other. Let's no. make it right here. No. And now. I I I I only promise to spit on myself, which I know is normally do during a show anyway by accident. <laughs> uh, th- yeah, that's the shortcuts only lasted like a year because they'd already been together for like two years, and then they they were already kind of arguing amongst each other by the time I joined the band. The singer was a little unhinged, and he wound up getting us evicted out of our house, and he didn't tell us until the day before we were supposed to be out. Hmm. So that kind of abruptly 
ended the band because we were like, oh, I'm not going to be in a band with the guy that got us evicted and didn't tell us. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> uh, let's see. So then I moved back, uh, moved back down to Franklin because it was a very quick move and I didn't have a, uh, much of a choice than to move back in with my parents at the age of 19. I briefly joined uh, an early version of the Ataris. Then from that, I ended up uh, forming the band Wild Stallions, which obviously we, we ripped off the name. <laughs> from, from where? Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure slash Bogus Journey slash Face the Music. Oh, yeah. Dude. Yeah. Don't forget the animated series. And the animated series. Wild Stallions came much later in this list than I was expecting. I was ready to call you out for not naming it off. This is the fourth to last one still. Yeah. All right. Keep yeah. going. I told, I told you I've been in bands since I was 12, man. Yeah. <laughs> but Wild, St Wild Stallions, um, we prided ourselves on trying to play as fast as we possibly could without dying on stage. <laughs> really fast like like listening back to old recordings like i have no clue how i was ever able to play as fast as i did in that band but we had a ritual before shows that we would we would each down 10, ten pixie sticks and a mountain dew oh. <laughs> <laughs> which made for some interesting shows but yeah our longest song was a minute and 38 seconds our shortest song was seven seconds long <laughs> And we, and we, we, we only ever put out one seven inch and uh, it was through the label planet plan it X records down at, down in Bloomington. Oh, I remember that one. Yeah. It was a, uh, there was the flagship band it was a uh, operation cliff Clavin that got pretty big regionally for around here. Mm -hmm. But, but we played, we played a lot of really cool shows. We got to open up for FYP, which was our biggest, biggest influence got to open up for us bombs and uh swing and utters much of like fat records bands and never really did tour though. I think furthest we went was like Chicago. I mean, that's nothing these days, but this was like before the internet was a big thing and you could just fill out a form and get into, get into venues. Now back then it was, we used a thing called a B Y O F L was the initials, but it was called book your own life. <laughs> yeah. Oh no, it was, that was like a Bible for touring bands back, back in the day. Yeah. Cause you could like, yeah, you'd go, you'd go through and the, like there would be like state by state, city by city. It would list like all the bands that were from there, uh, venues to play restaurants to eat at, uh, crash spaces, where it was just someone's house be like, yeah, we got floor space. You can sleep on if you're on tour. But so, yeah, there, was, was, there was really no internet at that point. So, I mean, yeah. You had to call people. <laughs> oh yeah, you 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 you'd be out on tour and like you you like your saving grace was like a prepaid calling card and like and yeah. finding a working payphone. <laughs> yeah, like back in the '90s, you know, like and and before it was like yeah. the wild west when you were trying to like put a band together or go on tour or play shows. I mean, it was you yeah. never knew what was going to happen, really. Mm -hmm. um, I was just when you were talking about some of your early bands, I was just thinking. I mentioned Larry and Rita's Boy. But I remember there was a bass player we had for one show, and I just remembered where I met him. I actually, he was part of some earlier, like, 80s has-been band, and they had, like, broken up. And it was a female singer, this drugged-out bass player, and their manager. And they auditioned me. <laughs> oh, good Lord. And, yeah, like, they, they thought they were rock stars, but, like, literally it was a singer and a drugged-out bass player <laughs> with their manager. <laughs> Well, we, we ended up actually having their bass player play in Larry and Rita's Boy for one show, this show in Muncie, and he was so bad that he got fired right after the show. <laughs> oh, wow. 
but yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, BYOFFL was just like a saving grace. And like, I'd always remember when like the new issue would come out and like everybody would scramble to get a copy. But like, it was, it was, it was, it was as thick as a phone book. Yeah. It was huge, but it was like, it was, it was like the best, like $20 investment you could possibly make. Oh yeah. And it was all, it was all like in the punk scene, you know, it wasn't like mainstream type bands or clubs. Mm -hmm. It was like all the underground places. Yeah. Which is cool about it. Which is how I ended up booking like a, a bunch of stuff. Like even like even after the internet came out, I would still like kind of refer back to some of those places that I would remember and be like, I should I should look this place up. And like they, that's how I booked a tour from from here to like uh northern New York and back in like the early two thousands. Uh-huh. Speaking of the early two thousands. Segway. Nice segue. <laughs> segue. Uh, that's when uh, wound up forming the Jabs with um, a few people that I'd met around like the Indiana punk rock scene. Ended up becoming roommates uh, with my buddy Jade, who's passed on. But we were heavily influenced by a lot of like garage rock, like uh, like I've, I've mentioned on here before, the Mummies, Oblivions, more punk rock bands like the like New Bomb Turks, Iggy and the Stooges, things along those lines. But uh, that was the band that I that we booked uh, from here to New York with the band from England that flew over for a tour, which was hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, that's a they, that band lasted a while. We did pretty good. We had a couple offers uh, from labels, but unfortunately, both labels met weird fates at the, the exact same time. Um, I can't remember the name of one, but they ended up having one of their partners run off with all of their money and inventory and have, they, 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 I guess they haven't found him since wow. they still have no clue what happened to this guy. Wow. Uh, and then the other one uh, wound up having a warehouse fire and like all their product was gone. Their, their in-house studio where bands would come and record uh, that burned down. All their equipment was gone. So all their overhead was completely gone. So that never materialized with anything. So we were like, well, crap. <laughs> and then we all had depression issues already before all that happened. So then we were like, oh, I don't really feel like working on new songs. <laughs> so we just got real complacent and lazy, played some real fun shows, but I mean, that was about it. But then um, once I started kind of feeling that we weren't really going anywhere, that's when the band right before Five Year Mission got started because uh, I met the singer when he was doing artwork for the record store that I used to manage, uh, Shelby Kelly. He brought in these demos that he had recorded all of the instruments on, uh, drums, bass, guitars, vocals, everything. And he was just like, hey, would you want to help me flesh these out into a full band thing? And so that's how Creepin' Charlie and the Bone Yard Orchestra wound up being born. We were kind of like a, uh, trying to remember what a reviewer described us as. It was an after midnight concoction where the Rolling Stones and Tom Waits want to challenge you to a street fight. <laughs> and I was like, that's a pretty accurate description. <laughs> I think someone could imagine what it sounds like without hearing it from that, actually. Yeah, that's how, that's how uh, through Creepin' Charlie is how I initially uh, met Noah, uh, because uh, we played with Noah's old band Eisenhower Field Day at Radio Radio for one of the Barfly showcases. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, his, I, I ended up seeing, seeing him. I was, like, I was like, who are these goofy people up here in shirts and ties? And, who, and, and, who's, and who's that tiny lady singing? And I was like, oh wait, that's, that's Noah. 
No, they were, they were uh, really good. I remember, I remember I was, I was pretty impressed by them, but I don't, I don't think Noah wound up st- sticking around to watch us. That sounds, <laughs> that sounds like Noah. Classic Noah. Finish my drink and get out of here. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't leave the drink. Yeah. But, uh, Creepin' Charlie, we put out, uh, one seven inch, uh, two full length albums and an EP. We did some decent touring, did Chicago and Cincy and Cleveland, bunch of shows around indie and we would always try to do them up because uh with shelby being uh the singer being like this amazing artist j- just look up shelby skeleton art on instagram or facebook or anything like that this this dude is one of the most amazing artists i've ever met who doesn't have like gallery shows in like every corner of the country he did the cover to spock's brain right yeah, he's the yeah. Shelby's the guy that drew, drew the front and back cover of uh, our, our Spock's Brain EP. Yeah, longest EP you've ever heard. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Supposed to be an EP turned out an LP. But yeah, that bit that was that was fun. But then we started kind of winding down, and then I was bandless for a while until uh, one of Mike and I's mutual friends. Well, she actually ended up uh, suggesting me as the drummer for five, for five year mission. And Mike and I had no clue who the hell each other were. Nope. I walked in a store with a giant beard. I, I, I knew of the Farkness on IMN, <laughs> but we had never met and I, I had never seen you play or, or anything. Little did you know what you were getting into. I had seen creeping Charlie, but it was, it was one of those shows where there were a lot of bands playing. Oh, and, you know, I was kind of paying attention to what was going on, but not fully. <laughs> and so I know that I'd seen you all before, but I, I, I didn't remember. But I, I did know you from I Am In only. I mean, I hadn't talked to you, but I knew who you were. You know, when you came in uh, to, to audition, I, I, I'm pretty sure that I recognized you just from seeing you out and about, you know, like on the right. scene. <laughs> But I, I didn't really, I didn't know you. Well, that was a, that was what, what Barfly Wayne would I, would always tell me. He was like, man, before I knew who you were, I knew of you because you were the guy that was outside every single venue. Sometimes two or two or three shows a night on different sides of town, <laughs> like shoving shoving flyers and in, into in, in, into people's hands. It's like that's true. I would do that. Like first day, I would go, I'd, I'd go to Kinko's make all my flyers, handbills, and posters, and then go around to every record store and venue in the city and just have a roll of tape and push pins and handbills with rubber bands surrounding them and just promoting the crap out of it. Oh, no, there's a, there, that was another thing about like the early incarnations of bands. If, if you had a Kinko's hookup, you were set. Uh, oh, yeah. Because there was a, the, 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 my first contact at a kinko's was a was a dude named travis who i still know to this day he, he, he saw that i was making flyers and he was like he's like hey man you need a band and i was like yeah and he was like he was like making flyers did you do that often and i was like yeah and he was like here sh- come come like around the corner real quick <laughs> it, was, it was back when kinko still had those like prepaid cards and he handed me a card i put it in the machine and it was like balance five hundred dollars and i was like what what <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, these things, these flyers are going to be full color now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We had uh, rebuilt, had many a uh, Mike Rittenhouse hookup. Oh, yeah. Because we, we churned out the flyers too. Yeah. I remember all the time. I remember a lot of nights, you know, like out in the cold, taping flyers to the mm-hmm. telephone poles. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah, those were the days. I would print up hundreds and hundreds of flyers for Little Voice, and we'd go around, put them up everywhere. Still only had like four people at the show. Yeah, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but the word was getting out. <laughs> everybody everybody they knew the shows that they were going to but see. But at a certain point, they'd see your name, and it would be familiar to them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that's that band I didn't see. That's right. <laughs> that's, that, 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 that's that band from that flyer that I crumpled up and threw on the ground immediately. <laughs> so andy let's let's talk about the lead up to your audition audition yeah that's what it was i mean we brought you i know it's it's just sounds weird i mean we we talked about how we'd had a few other guys in before you you know when you came in obviously we knew right away we're like okay this guy fits in and you know he's actually a drummer you know, he's not a guitar player that drums on the side, <laughs> but, but leading up to that, I mean, what, what was, I mean, what were you thinking? And then once you got there, what did you think? And then how'd you feel about it? So yeah, I went up, met Mike. Uh, we just kind of briefly talked. I can't even re- fully remember the initial conversation. I think it was like, what kind of stuff are you into? What, what am I about to listen to here? What are the styles? <laughs> Uh, and you were like, eh, it's just like, you know, acoustic demos, you know, just kind of listen to it, you know, get a, get a feeling for them. You know, <laughs> I, th- I think, I think I did it now, now looking back at it and hearing like the story of like the guitarists coming in, trying to be drummers. I could, he, I remember him now hammering that point home of a, like, these are the songs that we would like to do. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, I listened through them and these are the ones you should learn to come right. to audition for us don't show up unprepared yeah. well because it was the it was the first time in a while that it wasn't like you know i'm just going in blind with like you know hey let's get together just just kind of see see what happens and just mess around at first and because like the uh, like when I when I joined the shortcuts, they already had an album out, so I was able to listen through their album and learn the songs that mm-hmm. way, just fully fleshed out with you know, oh, this is the drum parts they're doing, and then with like Creep and Charlie, like the first six songs that we did were already recorded to a seven inch that Shelby the singer had given me, so I already knew what kind of drum stuff he was going for. This it was just acoustic demos, and I had to just kind of listen through and be like, all right, I wonder if this would work. I wonder if this would work. And I didn't have a drum set set up in my house to play. So it's just me tapping on a steering wheel or on a coffee table, literally like trying to figure out parts for these songs. And then I like to think I came in and I nailed them. <laughs> That's so funny because we talk about how, you know, you came in and you actually knew, knew the songs and you had clearly prepared. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea that you didn't have a drum kit and you were tapping them out on a steering wheel. <laughs> yeah. We, we played the cage it was the first song that we played together and, and uh, we got to the part with the stops and you did yeah. the stops. Yeah. <laughs> We're like, this is going to work, <laughs> but, but lose the beard, yeah, right. <laughs> which I didn't until, until after our, our first photo shoot. And I was like, ew, that beard looks awful. <laughs> uh, one, well, so did our uniforms to be fair. Yeah, that's true. This guy put this much effort in. Let's hire him. Oh, come on. I at least put this much effort in. <laughs> yeah, well. I paid attention to the dynamics as much as I could with an acoustic guitar. <laughs> yeah. And Mike's and Mike's vocals. But it was just nice to have somebody come in and, and actually know what it was and right. And follow us through. So that was it, it was a nice surprise. That's what got you the gig, the stops. <laughs> so how, how, how did you feel after that that first 
practice. I was into it because I mean it was uh, obviously you're I, still here, so yeah. I mean, so, so, so something went right considering I'm here ten a, de- a decade later. You know, I have no recollection of the conversation after you left, and you know we were deciding. I can't remember. Did we decide right off, or I feel like we let it mellow for a minute and then we called each other later or something like that. I thought I remembered it being pretty instant. <laughs> it might have been. It might have been. Thank you, Patrick. <laughs> I want to say we were pretty pretty sure right away as soon as you left that that we wanted to keep working with you. Yeah. Did you? We call you that night or? No, it wasn't until uh, actually you were the, you guys were like a bad date, and it wasn't until like two days later. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let's just say that Noah was the holdout and we had to convince him. Oh, that, that, that doesn't surprise me. Okay. When in doubt, blame Noah. So let's go back. Let's, let's look back before the fork entered our lives. Do a little slingshot. <laughs> and we'll do a little slingshot. Um, so Patrick, you're coming home from California. At what point did Mike just contact you or how did that work? It was a weird time for me. <laughs> uh, well, first of all, I should say that um, before I moved out there, Mike and I were hanging out a lot. And I think we probably would have done a project together earlier if I hadn't moved. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, we were talking about yeah. it. Um, and so it just we just kind of picked up where we left off, I think, is yeah. what happened. Because I, I got back in, in October of 2009, yeah. and I was just living in an apartment, and he came over and played me some stuff. I remember he played me. Uh, the Man Trap and uh, Enemy Within on the acoustic demos. And I remember that specifically because I had just watched the Enemy Within episode like <laughs> right before he came over. <laughs> and I think it was just, I don't even think that I knew that we were, it was a start. Maybe, maybe I did know it was a Star Trek thing. But- so he played you the demo of Enemy Within and you still wanted to be in the band. <laughs> and well, Man Boy. Trap is the one that I, that I, that I remember liking the music to. <laughs> that was the first one he played me, I think. Enemy Within struck a chord with me because I had just watched the episode. Okay, that's fair. And he started doing the I want to live part. I was like, yeah, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> well, at least at least he didn't play Dagger for you. <laughs> I know how to not scare somebody off, Chris. And so, yeah, so that, um, you know, I didn't know what it was going to sound like for sure with everybody, of course, but I think I sat down and I watched, like, we – picked out a couple of the songs and like within a week or so i think i wrote like charlie x and miri like back to back in like one day yes i remember getting the demos and thinking now what am i gonna do (laughs) (laughs) this is a sort of a side anecdote but similarly um ed show was working on his ignore city podcast where we that we did shakeups music for recently um and there was he wanted a two-minute punk song and he sent me some information about what he wanted it was like, I got it at like 10 in the morning. I came home at lunchtime, came up with something, recorded it and sent it back to him at one in the afternoon. And he <laughs> thought, it must've been a song that you already had. I was like, no, man, I just wrote that. <laughs> but it was a three chord punk song, you know? <laughs> so I can write to order if I need to. <laughs> As we've utilized over the years. Yes. Yeah. Hey, Patrick, we need a, we need a George Decay song. Can you do that? <laughs> right. We, we, You've got about 15 minutes. <laughs> I, I, I had, this, I, had this idea at work today. <laughs> I think it was just the rough idea. I don't, th- I don't think anybody said, Patrick, write this. I think it was just, oh, I think I have something I can do for that. You know what I mean? 
like we talked about it just very briefly yeah and then yeah it took like half an hour total i think (laughs) but we were talking about auditions earlier i know i'm going back again when i auditioned for the madeira he uh yvonne gave me a cd of like 30 songs (laughs) i mean the madeira had two songs recorded at that point and everything else was a cover okay i learned 20 songs for our first get together all (laughs) instrumentals right all very yeah. technical songs, you know, yeah. and I'm playing rhythm guitar and stuff that I'd never heard before. <laughs> that was a challenge. <laughs> yeah. But in, in, in surf, there's really only like three different chord progressions. So, I mean. Well, it, in most surf music, <laughs> yes, but in the songs he was playing, that was not the case. <laughs> he was is like the prog rock of surf, you know? <laughs> yeah. But so the point is going into an audition, you never know for sure what it's going to be like. Mm-hmm. <laughs> When was when did we first get together as the four of us? Was that at Mike's? Uh, it was at Hero House, and was it, it was Hero House Acoustics. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I do remember that. I don't. I remember. I have a distinct memory of getting together in Mike's living room. It, it may have just been Noah and Mike and I at the time, but I thought that we it was the four of us. Mike, do you remember? I I don't honestly. I, I have a terrible memory because you had that the 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 couch with the little with yeah the ottoman. <laughs> yeah i mean i i remember both i think i think we did you know we had different practices at each okay. um but I, yeah i definitely remember at hero house you know we we kind of put the chairs around in a circle um yeah. like I'm, I'm literally sitting in that spot at the moment um, <laughs> yeah we kind of had the chairs around here and uh it's just kind of than I remember. it was the end of this end of the summer yeah, when we when we started doing that, and then I don't have any memory of any practices really up until we were at Noah's house. Well, I don't yeah. think that we really had very many. It was really just us writing our writing demos and sharing them. Yeah, okay. Uh, we got together sense. a few times and just kind of talked and and ran over the songs, but not really. I tend to forget that it was really just a recording project at first we hadn't really yeah. intended to play out. And so we didn't really need to get together to play until we had songs to play with, you know, to, yeah. to record. I mean, realistically, if it was a recording project, we probably, I don't know that we would have made it through if it was, if that's all we were doing, it's just yeah. or either that, or we wouldn't be nearly as far as we are now. Or, or See, we would have finished it a long time ago and, long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it would have just been a thing that we did. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, mean, I can see that. I can see that scenario too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, shows and rehearsing for shows takes up a lot of time. So. Yeah, it does. You're welcome, especially now. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I can't believe it's been almost a year. And then I, next uh, next month it'll be a full year since uh, since our last show. Since since we even played together, yeah. concave, right? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Last right. weekend of February. A full yeah since we played together at all. Yep. Yeah. It's crazy. Are you guys still playing? Like with ourselves? Still picking up instruments? <laughs> are, are, you, are you guys still playing with yourselves? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Seldomly, yes. Yeah, I, I could I could pick up I could pick up my guitar more um, often, that's for sure. Yeah. I yeah. actually in the beginning I was doing, I I was doing really well, just picking up my guitar and, you know, just kind of playing around like half an hour every night, just trying to get ideas out and do that kind of thing. And I did that for a few weeks and I just, 
started putting it down and I just, I don't know. My, my motivation is at an all time low these days. Yeah. This, this year has been a little, it's been a struggle. Yeah. Well, I had a couple of shakeups, things that were already sort of in process when the pandemic started. Yeah. And it was nice that I had the time then to finish them. So, but right. you know, finishing something is a lot easier than starting something. <laughs> yeah. um, and I did Very do the true. resounding maybes, resounding maybes album, which is uh, finally done. But um, since that got finished late last year, it's been hard to sort of start anything else. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I wrote the one song for Year Five. Well, and I've heard your some of your demo just clips when uh, the Patreon videos, Patrick. Oh yeah. So I know you, you have all four years written, don't you? No, three of the four. Three of the four. Okay. Yeah. yeah I have the one. I've been saving one so that it's more current when we get back together. <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I have had a lot of ideas that have just not panned out, mm-hmm. but I've got some, I've got some other ideas, you know, in, in the chamber. I just have to sit down and work work at it i have ideas for wink of an eye and alana troyes nice and uh, the savage curtain can suck it (laughs) (laughs) i I hate that episode i don't know what i'm gonna write for that classic virgin classic me Hey, do you miss getting new content from 5-Year Mission? You should head over to patreon.com slash 5-Year Mission and check out our Patreon page. As a patron of the band, you will receive access to rare and behind-the-scenes pictures and videos and other cool stuff. You will also have early access to many things, like video releases or new songs. You can sign up for different levels, from Ensign all the way up to Admiral. One of the perks of being an Admiral on 5-Year Mission's Patreon is that you get to be a producer on this podcast. Currently, our producers are Neil Carpenter, Helen Lake, Debbie Rinke, Carol Jones, Becky and Roxy, Steve and Frankie Palopoli, Madison Rachel Jones, and Jim Morehouse. Your name could be on this list if you sign up as an admiral. So head over to patreon.com slash five-year mission now. That's the number five-year mission. fan sets by now don't you i talk about it on here every week so i would think by now you know what to expect from fan sets high quality pins and collectibles so head over to fan sets right now fansets.com they're teasing some stuff over on twitter right now including collector cases to show off all the beautiful pins that you can get from them also coming around march or april they've been teasing commander Riker in the full-on Riker pose that's right the one leg up on the chair full-on Riker pose along with esri dax that should be coming around march or april it's in approval for artwork right now also in approval for artwork right now that they're teasing over there rin from star trek discovery can't wait to have a new andorian on my jacket so head over to fansets.com right now fill up your cart and when you get to check out enter the code five year mission that is the number five and then all caps year mission five year mission get 10 percent off of your entire order do it now fansets our pins have character and we thank them for sponsoring our podcast each and every single episode That's the end of our first two-parter. How do you guys feel about it? Being very serialized.
I do feel serialized. I feel I feel I feel like darn tootin. Speaking of <laughs> speaking of cereal, have you guys tried the Mandalorian cereal? I didn't know there was such a thing. There is, yeah. It's it's like kicks with marshmallows in it. Nice. Is uh, is the main ingredient the way? <laughs> I think people? it's the force, but the way is in there. W h e y, Chris. I knew what you were saying. <laughs> I I knew what you meant, Andy. Thanks, Mike. I can't believe that went right over my head. I will admit it. He's just going to milk that joke. But that's what happens when you're in five-year mission. You don't always catch everything. But now that you've heard our stories, you know it all. <laughs> See what I did there? I segued. <laughs> oh, shut up. So anyway, we, we've told our stories. We've had our fun. It's time to bid you all a fond adieu. Fondue? <laughs> Yes. Now that we've had our way with you. And Stop away s- we go. <laughs> stealing my joke <laughs> that you didn't even get in the first place. I know. This is getting way out there, isn't it? Wait a minute. He's definitely milking it. Uh Patrick, you and Andy, there were a lot of, there's a lot of stuff you guys talked about. I had no idea. Oh really? Like what? Yeah, I didn't like Patrick, I didn't know you you owned venues. And I think when we were oh. talking last week, Noah had mentioned something about going to the Bub's place. Bubba's bowling. And I was like, yeah. Patrick owned a venue? I had no idea. <laughs> really? So, yeah. yeah, I'm learning. In the stuff before times. <laughs> right. Yeah, in the before times. Chris is like, yeah. if I had known you owned venues, I would have done an open stage there. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been fun talking about uh, all the good old times with you guys. It has been. (laughs) Very natural. That sounded very, very natural. It was great. (laughs) Uh, Actually, a lot lot of memories that I kind of have forgotten or I have trouble remembering. So it's nice to be. It is nice to have a collective memory because there, yeah, there are so many things that I just don't remember, and I'm I'm glad many of you brought things up that now I will hopefully remember. <laughs> we we should probably give everyone a a sample of some of the the bands that we're talking about. Do you, do you have a a song that you would like to share with everyone, Noah? I do. Um, the song that I'm going to share from Eisenhower Field Day is called um, Sunshine Patriots. It was kind of a protest song that I wrote at the, at the height of the Bush administration, uh, thinking that was like the worst that it could possibly get. And <laughs> little, little did I know what the last four years would bring us. Uh, um, but uh, the sentiment is is the same, and and so, um, but uh, it's it's called Sunshine Patriots, and it was it was one that I we we really liked um, really liked to do.
sunshine, you are the summer. You are the 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 sunshine, you are the summer soldier. You are the sunshine. remember that song noah i i i, yeah, I, I do too I, I remember hearing you play it a lot what what was the name of that your last album uh the that that album the last album we put out was called tyrants and spies tyrants and spies that's right you had all those the the promo art for that was you guys you, it was like had, black and white and you were in suits yeah because suits, didn't you that's right we did we spent we spent probably a good two years playing in in suits with skinny ties where and, we looked like we were like cia agents from the 60s and That's you right. you you still switch back to that profile picture all yeah. the time on facebook when you don't have anything else to put up there i do i do and i loved <laughs> I, I loved that photo shoot that was that photo shoot was so much fun and we just did it ourselves we went up into one of the storage rooms at my at the elementary school where i work and like arranged a desk and old school clocks and just made it look like a like a spy room like some kind of you know cia war room um and just took a took a bunch of pictures with just a camera on a timer and a tripod and and they 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 turned out really great so i, I still yeah i do like going back to that but man every time i post that up and it says 2008 i look at that and i go Oh my God, I have aged so much. <laughs> I look like such a baby there. We, we all have so much. Um, so did you have any other songs that you wanted to, to share? Well, if, if people were interested in some of the, um, the more uh, solo kind of electronic stuff that, that I was tinkering around with, um, there's a song by the Cobot Factory called... Uh, Whistle the Lions that um, is uh, that I I like a lot um, that I was pretty proud of, and so we can play that one too. Stuck in town St. Paul's on your way You got the courage 
you chris anything you want to share yeah uh, i was thinking about this and in the second incarnation of rebuilt we had a lot of songs that we started recording and never actually got released and one of them that we played out several times is called insomniac radio and to be honest i don't remember what it's about i remember that it was it had some kind of special meaning to me at the time (laughs) I think it was, uh, you know, like some socially conscious song about all this noise that's out there. And and this was probably one of the first songs where I really started trying to branch out and uh, do something a little bit differently than I had done before, um, both musically and lyrically. I think it's a cool song. Um, I think it's still, uh, you know, it sounds dated to me now, <laughs> but at the time I really liked it and I still do. And as far as the songs that I've written, you know, there's some songs out there that I, I listen to them just like, man, <laughs> where did this come from? <laughs> and this is one that actually kind of still holds up for me uh, more than most of my older songs. So uh, it's called insomniac radio.
Actually, uh, you know, uh, one one project that I forgot to mention when I was going through my different uh, bands and stuff is uh, one one thing I did when I was living in Lafayette, and this is while I was in Little Voice. Uh, it it was called Wang, and it's me and and my friend Alan, who I mentioned earlier, who was in Broken Up, and uh, we would hang out. We we hung out all the time, like every day and we worked we both worked at target together and so i mean we were like best friends for a long time and we wrote um we we, we would just write these goofy songs and what would happen is we would just we'd get together and hang out and around seven or eight o'clock we'd like make up some dumb song and just like flesh it out and then we would record it and then by like midnight or 1 a.m we had like a rough mix of it and we would uh, we would add it to our CD of all the rough mixes that we had done, and then we'd drive to Taco Bell at like one in the morning listening to the songs we recorded. <laughs> and uh, so that was called Wang, and uh, we ended up with like I think twelve songs total. That project, that recording project, is really where I learned a lot of the methods I use for recording and mixing. Which, as you guys know, like I. I do a lot of stuff with that. So, because before that, all of the stuff that I'd recorded with bands, somebody else recorded and mixed. And I might have a little 
input, but I, it wasn't me doing it. And the, and when we recorded wing, I did everything. And ever since then, I've, I've been very much of a control freak when it comes to mixing and recording. So as, as Chris can attest to, um, what? <laughs> so anyway, uh, I don't, I don't obsess at all though. Do I? Oh no, not at all. Actually, what's funny is, uh, of everyone in five-year mission, Noah is the only member who like will come over for an evening, push me out of the way and sit down and just completely change <laughs> everything on his mix without consulting me. He'll just start pressing buttons and moving stuff around and deleting things. And then he's like, okay, uh, <laughs> you know, that's, I'm done with that. You can, you can do what you want with it now. And then I'll sit down and it'll just be a completely different song. At least, at least I make my changes in the recording process. <laughs> yeah. You not, know, I come in like and Chris. Say, say, Hey Andy, I want you to do the drums like this instead. <laughs> Let's go record now. Yeah. <laughs> Play. I, I know that this was like a, an upbeat four, four song. Uh, but now it's going to be like a, a, a three, four slower it's a waltz. waltz. It's a waltz now. <laughs> Deal with it. So it's called Wang. <laughs> and uh, the song that I'm going to play uh, is called Real Song.
Well, Patrick, how about you? It is quite difficult to pick out one song to play you in so many years of making original music and in doing different types of music. Um, I will say to please check out power pop band The Shakeups. Our albums, Meddling Kids or A Twist of Lemon, will give you a nice range of what we do. My instrumental surf rock band, The Madeira, released its last studio album in 2015, entitled Ancient Winds. All of those are available on iTunes, Spotify, and some tracks on YouTube. If you want to check out some of the spaced-out rock music I was making before Five-Year Mission, look for Destination Earth. We have a best-of compilation, or the album Adventures in New Space is also another good place to start. For this, I'm going to play you a song from my new band, The Resounding Maybes. I've always been inspired by the late 80s and early 90s sounds of dream pop and shoegaze, and always wanted to have a project of that style and just had never gotten around to it until now. Um, but over the past year in lockdown, we've had the opportunity to create new music and record our debut album, Sinequinone, which is out this month. And this is Arms of Loss from The Resounding Maybes.
right, Andy, what do you got for us? Um, this next song is by my band, The Jabs, which were together in the early 2000s or so. You heard me talk about it on the podcast. Uh, this song in particular was off of our EP of the same name, Coming On Strong, and it is based on the book uh, Junkie by William S. Burroughs. I had let my singer borrow my copy of it, and he loved it so much that he needed to write a quick little punk song about it. So <laughs> here you go. The jab's coming on strong. I need a fix. I need it quick. I need it fast. I feel it so sick. And if you got it, child, do it right. Do it right. And if you got it. And if you got it, child. Thanks for listening to us reminisce about our times before five-year mission. We hope that you had as much fun listening to us tell these stories as we did telling them. If you're still not sick of hearing a band talk about writing songs about Star Trek, then you should tune into our next episode where we talk to Star Trek band Warp 11 next time on five-year mission, the podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of Fiverr Mission the Podcast. If any of you are interested in listening to more of our music, you can check us out on YouTube or Spotify or iTunes or pretty much anywhere that you can listen to music. Just search for Five Year Mission and we should be the first thing that comes up. If you would like to contact us in regards to the podcast or anything else that you want to talk to us about, you can email us at fiveyearmissionband at gmail.com. And for more information about the band, you can go to fiveyearmission.net and also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Five Year Mission the Podcast is a production of Coconut Media Works. Executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.